Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to the first team. I am Joe DeLeon, and joining me as always, my good friend and NFL draft analyst, Ryan Roberts. Today, we're doing another NFL draft mailbag. Haven't done these in a couple of weeks. We're back here. I don't know if we're going to do one when we go to the NFL Combine. Oh, we're going to um, do it. We're going to do it. It's going <laughs> to happen. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, well, with that enthusiastic of a claim, then obviously we must do a mailbag from the Combine. Getting a table is to be determined. We're still working on that. And if we get the table, that will certainly make things a lot easier. Mailbag today, we're going to talk a little bit about the biggest things that we're paying attention to going into the 2024 NFL Combine, biggest storylines, things to watch, all of that good stuff before we get to the questions. And I want to just quickly share with you folks a quick word from our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all of your basketball wagering needs, including uh, pro and college hoops throughout the year. If you're like me and you get really bored during the offseason and you look for something to bet on, I, I try to stay away from betting on the draft and anything like that because uh, logic completely goes out the window. I have found a nice little pocket of college basketball teams and games that I like to bet on, and you can go and do that over at Bet Online. Uh, head to bet online today to become part of the team. And remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, the game starts here. All right, Ryan, 2024 NFL Combine. Uh, did a radio spot yesterday and was asked a ton about what to expect from the Combine, who are going to be some of these top performers, who could maybe even be. Weak performers. I want to kick it to you first here on anybody that you are interested or or things that you're interested in following and tracking. Well, I I think the first thing is, is that we have a really good talent at the top of the pass catching class, right? And I'm going to kind of lump tight ends and wide receivers together because, of course, we have Brock Bowers out of Georgia at tight end who is alone at the top of his class, right? Like tight end one to tight end two is a chasm this year. Like there is such a huge difference from tight end one to tight end two. Joe, I don't know if you agree with this, but this is my opinion is that tight end, the drop off from the first rank guy to the second rank guy is the largest gap in any position group this year by far, in my opinion, right? So I'm going to group him in with Marvin Harrison Jr., with Malik Neighbors, with Brian Thomas, with... Roma Dunze with the top pass catchers in the class. And my first thought is, and my first question is, and we, we fight with this every single year is who's going to test, right? That's the first starting point is who's going to test. We know they're going to be there. 
We know that they're going to interview. We know they're going to do medicals, but who is going to go out there, run their 40, do their verts. And of these top three, I'm especially intrigued because Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't have to test, right? Yeah. Brock Bowers doesn't have to test. But then after that, does Malik Neighbors feel like it's needed to, to test? Does Brian Thomas? Because I think that we, we've kind of settled into this little bit of a wavelength as far as why, Marvin Harrison Jr., wide receiver one. And then I think most people have Malik Neighbors at wide receiver two, but I don't think that that's like a foregone conclusion yet. I do think that Malik Neighbors has some things to solidify this week. So is he pressed to test because Brian Thomas is going to test because Roma Dunze is going to test because some of these others wide receiver three, four, five in this class could potentially vault themselves up to wide receiver two at the end of the day. So which top of pass catchers end up testing this week? Because you could argue that tight end one and wide receiver one are solidified. But I would even argue that if Brock Bowers chose to test Joe and he was just insane dominant, right? Why can't he be the second pass catcher off the board above a Malik neighbors? Like those things are all on the table this week and an interesting storyline that I'm, I'm very curious to see how it plays out. I'm curious your thoughts on this. I think this is a very unique perspective. I always just come into the week for over the past couple of years. And I've, I'm going to stand by this for the rest of my career covering the draft. I always just assume that the top guy or even top two guys at every position are just not going to test. Now, there's I'm obviously not going to say that to for like linebacker or sure. uh, running back. Those positions are going to probably still test because there's not really a first round guy. But for me, I don't expect Caleb Williams to test. We don't know. I don't <laughs> yeah. expect uh, Drake May to test. Marvin Harrison Jr., Brock Bowers, Joe Alt. Um, I don't know why. I can't explain it. But there's just been this recent expectation, it feels like, where it's a 50-50 shot if the top player coming into the week at the position, if he is going to perform during the NFL Combine drills. Because more sure. often than not, and it's good advice, their trainers and their coaches, uh, sorry, not their coaches, their agents are telling them, look, you really don't have anything to gain here. If you want to go out there and right. compete, go ahead. But mm -hmm. you are already establishing yourself as this top premier player in the class. Don't go out there and lose anything because you're going to get get compared to some of these other guys. Just maybe test at your pro day when you feel more comfortable with it. But go do the meetings, get in and out. But you brought yeah. up you brought up Brian Thomas Jr. and I immediately brought this up when I did my radio hit on Sirius yesterday that I think the guy that has the most to gain is Brian Thomas Jr., the wide receiver from LSU. I brought him up when we did our combine freaks team. Six foot four, 205 pounds, could run in the low four fours. Maybe we get blessed with him running even faster than that. And he runs in the four threes. He's going to jump crazy numbers. The hosts of the show were actually kind of surprised. They went as far as to say this. I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't have such a good performance that some teams don't say, let's move this guy up to wide receiver too. There is always sure. one athletic freak in the receiver room that is good enough to push himself up and say, well, we really like Malik neighbors, but holy crap, look at the ceiling and the traits and right. the, and the, you know, what he brings to the table. If we can unlock mm -hmm. that, we're going to have an elite receiver in the NFL. Well, and, and that was my point is that I think that, so obviously 
guys are going to be more pressed to wanting to test if there is not a huge separation there, right? Like, because I, again, I think that most people have just kind of have Malik Neighbors penciled in as wide receiver too. And, and I completely get it. Malik Neighbors is a really good prospect, but why can't a Dunze challenge him, right? If he is just because what, what, what is the difference between Roma Dunze and Brian Thomas Jr. and Malik Neighbors, Joe? Malik Neighbors is going to come in at like 5'11 in some change, right? Like, he's a little bit of a smaller receiver. Romo Dunze isn't. He's going to be over six foot three. Brian Thomas is going to be over six foot three. These are going to be some freak show athletes, I think, as well. So, kind of jockeying for that wide receiver two conversation is very interesting. It's always going to come down to to risk versus reward, right? Because I think that the risk that Marvin Harrison has on the table is a lot higher than what Malik Neighbors has, right? Because there is someone that can touch you. There is someone that can press you to be in that top guy on the board. That's why I don't necessarily think that Brock Bowers is going to test. But I will say this is that if we're grouping these guys as pass catchers, Brock, Brock Bowers does have something to gain because he can say, hey, dude, I'm the second pass catcher off this board, regardless of the that's a very good wide point. receiver label, right? Like he has that opportunity to be that guy. But I love the mention of Brian Thomas Jr. For folks out there that have not watched him too much, he's number 11 wide receiver from LSU, true junior that came out 6'4, 205 pounds, right around 200 pounds. He ha- apparently is going to run most likely in the mid four threes and is going to be just an absolute insane test. You know who he kind of reminds me of from a testing perspective, Joe, not as a player. I think he's a much better prospect than this player, but DJ shark when he came out was that dude, man, he was a height, weight, speed freak. And I think those testing that's actually not a bad, that's actually times. not a bad comp because DJ shark for the early part of his career, everyone was like, this guy is a physical specimen. Like this guy can yes. move at an unbelievable um, wavelength that other guys can't. And if he hits his ceiling, he could be a really good receiver. And we started to see it in spurts, but it never really truly panned out. I, I, I actually don't and everything. And right. Yeah, yeah. Who was the other LSU receiver? That was a really good athlete that was on the Panthers. The other LSU receiver um, that went to the Panthers, Ruben Randall, I think was on the, no, Panthers no, no, wait, maybe not, the, pa- maybe not the Panthers there. There was okay. another guy a couple of years, like this was after all mm-hmm. those crazy guys came out, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, but he was a part of okay. that grouping. So more recently, gonna... oh, oh, you're talking about um, oh, dang, in the dude. second he was, round. He, he was actually the highest ranked of those guys, which is pretty hilarious. Um, Ter- Terrace Marshall, Terrace Marshall. Was, yes, was yes. Yeah. So Terrace, yeah. uh, I, I feel like. Uh, Athletically, maybe, could, I don't know. He could yeah. be Terrace Marshall if Terrace Marshall panned out there there's just a lot of this is why receiver scouting is really tricky because there's a lot of guys that you can talk about that can be elite but just don't really sure. get there there's so many variables that come into play that i feel like nobody yeah. discusses at the receiver position because they need to be in a good offense that knows how to use them they need to yep. be with a good offensive coordinator that's creative and Sometimes these guys go to run for schemes and they're completely abandoned, and they also need quarterbacks who are moderately competent. It's it's really crazy the you know the the pendulum swing of the capabilities of these guys' careers. So let me ask you, Joe. I'm going to read you DJ Chark's numbers coming out in his combine and tell me if these could be comparable to uh, to your boy Brian Thomas. Okay, so he was six two and seven eighths, so right hair under six foot three. Brian okay. Thomas would be t- probably be taller than that, but 199 pounds, 79 inch wingspan. He ran 434 at the combine, had a 40 inch vert and a 10 9 broad jump. 40 inch vert, you said? Yeah, I think that's uh, that sounds exactly like him. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and one, five, one, 10 yards split. So he was, you know, decent starter, but more than anything, he was a long strider, which I think is exactly what Brian Thomas is. So, so uh, DJ yep. D, uh, or not DJ Turk, Terrace Marshall, Terrace Marshall was six foot uh-huh. two and a half, 205 pounds, uh, four, four, 40 yard dash, 39 okay. inch vertical. And then yep. his broad was 125 inches. So, I mean, they're all kind of in the same, same hilarious bucket. grouping. Yeah, that the, they're all LSU receivers and they're all very similar. That's hilarious. Can Actually, I, well, I, you know I, who the first yeah. person on mock draftable that shows up right underneath Terrence Marshall is? Like a, yeah, it's DJ Chark is the next DJ Chark, person. Yeah. That's <laughs> hilarious. That's absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I mean, uh, LSU definitely has a type, right? Like a wide receiver. And, and I get it, right? Like long, athletic, straight line speed. Like who wouldn't want that type of combination? Here's one, Joe. You mentioned this player as a person that probably won't test. I'm going to make a case that they will test. And I want to hear if you think that I am correct and on my logic here, okay? okay? There is an assumption, and I get it. Notre Dame offensive tackle Joe Alt will not test or doesn't have to test. My argument would be that he should test, and this is why. One, I think that right now he is the favorite to be the first offensive tackle off the board. But I would not say that that is 100% solidified. I think there's still a world where a team could talk themselves into Olu Fashanu or even Amarius Mims, potentially. I mm. think that there's a world that that could happen. And I also, I don't know if you've heard this, but I've literally seen this on Twitter. It is getting over the top, in my opinion. There is an assumption that Joe Alt is not a very good athlete. Like, he's a good, solid athlete, but he's not a great athlete. It's it's out there, man. It's so out I mean, there. I've okay. seen it. I've seen it. Yeah. The the TikTok analysts say that he's not a good well, good athlete. I, Joe, I've even seen... Well, uh, I would even say this, though. I have seen some more prominent mainstream analysts phrase Joe Alt this way. Very uh, high floor, rock steady, doesn't lose many reps and they just do that cliche thing where they basically are saying that like he's just a really good player but maybe not the most best athlete of all time not the most explosive athlete of all time and i think people forget that joe alt at 6 8 322 pounds was a high school tight end and i think that we forget how athletic that young man is so i think that he has a chance to go to the combine and shut those things off and make sure that you mm. understand that like hey bro this isn't just a technician that isn't a very good athlete. This is the full package. He's got the genetics. He's got the backgrounds. I think for me that if Joe Alt goes to the combine, he can shut off any of those naysayers in any of those conversations. I would not be shocked if at 320 pounds, he runs around a five flat or sub five. Like I think that he has that potential in him with how athletic he is. I think Joe Alt should test in Indianapolis. I think he should. And I think that he can kind of put that final stamp on he's OT one. Stop overthinking this guy. Yeah. But I I love all that, but at the same time, he's only proving wrong a couple media idiots. You know, I feel like the NFL is confident in him. I, mm, Joe, I think you're giving the NFL that there's a little too much credit, Um, man. A little too much credit. You know, yeah, you're right. You're right. He's reports (laughs) out there all the time. Not even just Joe Walt centric, but re- read reports where you're just like, seriously? Like, a scout thinks that? Like, they, they, they mm. said that. And not, even if it's anonymous, you're just like, huh. I don't think that there's, I don't think scouts are infallible at all. I think there's a lot of bad, and it's all due respect, I think there's some bad NFL scouts out there. There's some really good ones, of course. There's some solid ones. But I do think there's some bad ones that have watched Joe Alt and think that he's a good athlete, but not a special athlete. And in a class where behind him, 
He has Olu Fashanu out of Penn State that is probably going to be a dynamic tester. Amarius Mims out of Georgia that I would be surprised if he wasn't a dynamic tester. I think Joe Alt has a chance to kind of shut off that conversation and be like, guys, you've underrated my athleticism. I showed it to you. Not only am I a technician, not only have I played a ton of football, but I'm also a great tester. and I'm also a great athlete, and we can just have that kind of easy offensive tackle one conversation down the stretch of this cycle. This guy's stroking my my ego big time. Uh, thanks, Irish Lou. Um, I do get that. I do get that comp a lot. We talk a lot of NFL draft comps. I get a lot of Taron Edgerton comps. I used to have so from the movie uh, Kingsman. I'm this this I'm I got distracted. I always get distracted You're when this photo. Movie Kingsman. Uh-huh. He had much more thicker framed glasses than I used to. I wear the same glasses, so I used to get that a lot more often. Uh, back to football. I, I I do see what you're saying though. I would love to see Joe Alt test. I would absolutely love. I think that would really, um, really put on a show. And I think that we'd he, we'd stop hearing a lot of those doubts as you're talking about him athletically. I want to throw out there two names that, and this is a, a, a very different angle to take here. Two names that I don't think are going to test well, but could and will shut me up okay. if they do. Okay. Okay. Yep. To, more so. Two guys that I want to see if they if they're more athletic. Didn't mean to throw that on the screen again. If they're more athletic, <laughs> you're just your ego more. I, I pushed the enter key on my when I was trying to move something. Two yeah. guys that I want to see if they're more athletic than I expect, but at the same time, I think could calm some of the hype that they're receiving. Jeremiah Trotter Jr., the linebacker from Clemson, and Tavondre Sweat, the defensive tackle from Texas. Jeremiah Trotter Jr is potentially going to measure in sub six foot. He's probably not going to have super long arms. Six foot. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Yep. He's, he's probably not going to have super long arms. And if there is a world where his, his jumps, his 40 yard dash is on the slower side. And if his short area stuff is not great, I think I feel a little bit more justified. I'm going to go as far as say this. I have a top 200 grade on Jeremiah Trotter Jr. I have seen so many people place this guy as the number one linebacker in the class, and I do not see it. I see a guy with limited length, limited athleticism, and average eyes. I've seen some people hype up the guy and say that, well, his his vision is the best amongst the group. I, I really don't think that there is much separation, and I'd much rather take a guy that's not far off in terms of instincts that is a much better athlete. And there's a lot of guys that are better, better athletes like Tyrese Knight, who we interviewed like junior Colson, like Edger and Cooper. Peyton. There's so many better options, Peyton Wilson. Right. So like, I, I would like to, I would like to be proven wrong here and him come out and be this mighty mouse of a, an electric athlete at the NFL combine, but I'm not holding yep. my breath to sweat before I let you hop in here. Yep. There is a pocket. And this isn't so. This is an analyst. This is just like I feel like a lot of fans think that Tavondre Sweat is Jordan Davis. I feel like a lot of people believe that this is going to be an athletic freak, but I think he's more closer to Sione Vaki from last year, who is just a big Sione Vaki. Talking about uh or not Sione Vaki. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's a safety. Well, oh, 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 wait, wait. Who's Siaki um, Ika? Siaki Ika. Siaki Ika. Siaki Ika. Yeah. Sorry, my apologies. <laughs> He's a safety. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ika, who was this just massive human being who didn't test very well, and I, I just, I, I would love for Devondre Sweat to test as a good athlete, and I think I'd maybe feel very differently about him if he tests better yep. than I expect. 
but I don't have that high of an expectation for him because he does not show me a lot of that Jordan Davis on film. He shows me right. more of this is an early down guy. I have to take off the field on third down. Joe, I remember in the summer, I liked I liked Savandre Sweat, I think, a little bit more than you, but we were in the same boat as far as like, what are we doing here? And and I feel exactly the same as I did then as far and his tape was better in 2023 than it was yeah. in 2022. Don't get me wrong. He was a good player in 2023. But I can get that style and I can get that impact in almost every round. There is nothing unique about this player other than him being 360 pounds. And that's not a skill. It's not a skill. Right. I can easily bulk someone up to be fat if I wanted to, right? All due respect to, to Vondre Sweat. He is not a gifted athlete. He's not a one-gap penetrator. He's not even going to push the pocket consistently, man. Like He's just a good, a, re- a really good early down run defender, which is fine. That has a role in the NFL, but I'm seeing people say first round pick to Vondre Sweat. Like, fellas, what are we doing? What are we actually doing? I, I, I don't I don't understand where we're going with that at all. It is the weirdest thing in the world. I'm with you also on the Jeremiah Trotter Jr. stuff. I live right outside of Philadelphia. So every Eagles fan that calls into WIP here in Philadelphia is like, uh. I want Jeremiah Trotter Jr. because of obviously his dad's time with the Philadelphia Eagles. I want that guy. All right, man. Well, I, at the end of the day, I think that he, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. has a lot on the line in Indianapolis, man. He's got to test well, Joe, because to your point, he is a little bit undersized. He doesn't have great length. He needs to overcompensate with that in other ways. And I didn't see that overcompensating range on tape. So hopefully he shows out a little bit and shows that like, hey, true junior. So maybe there's a step up he can take. Maybe there's a jump. Maybe there's explosiveness he can add. I doubt it, but you know, that's what the Indianapolis Mm. is for us to try to show that, hey, maybe there's a little bit more in the tank than we gave it credit for first time on film. And I hope he makes me go back to the film and be like, oh, better athlete than I actually thought. I, I hope that we get that conversation with Jeremiah Trotter. I, I have my doubts, though. My yeah, last the, one. Oh, Sorry, yeah, go ahead. go ahead. No, all I was going to finish that, that point up yeah. with, with Trotter. I If he tests really well, I'll eat my words. You know, like, like I, again, there, there is value in, and I called him, you know, mighty mouse. There's, there's value in having in the modern NFL, having these smaller linebackers that are really quick and that move yep. really well. And maybe he was just hampered by the scheme that he was in, which I, I don't think was necessarily possible, yeah. but if he moves well and he runs a good 40, mm-hmm. I, I would willingly move him up a little bit over some guys, but I just don't see that athleticism on tape and there's a lot a lot of guys a lot of linebackers that i have ranked ahead of them because uh they are significantly better athletes agreed agreed and like you said i don't think he's like this crazy tester where where he's gonna just like like the i i don't think that he's this crazy processor where it's just like he can completely overcompensate for being just an, an average to below average athlete i agree with you there my last one and this is more not a testing one because we're going to hyper-focus on the testing, but I think people also need to remember that that week in Indianapolis is about a lot of different things. It's not just testing, meeting with teams, medicals, media availability. It's a daunting week for these players that are going to be in Indianapolis for like the three days. I, I think they're in total there for like three full days or something like that for each group, that is. And a big part of it, and we we always hear things coming out of this this week as far as fallers in the class, is what the medicals look like. And every single year, there's medicals that are flagged. There's medicals that are passed. And and all those miscellaneous things of question marks going into that week. 
always need to be answered. And there are three players in specific that I want to see what the medicals look like. And we're not going to have complete access to this this week, but we'll start hearing some rumblings, right? Like what are the scouts saying? What are the medical clearing and, and where do guys are guys rising? Are they falling? And we kind of, you know, determine as far as like what the medicals look like. What two that we've talked to nauseam. One's Peyton Wilson from NC state, the linebacker who's had multiple shoulder injuries as a linebacker. That's a little bit troubling. He's also had an ACL tear. So just overall, what do those medicals look like? The other is Michael Penix Jr., who's the quarterback out of Washington, who's had three season-ending injuries in his college career, two ACL tears, and a shoulder injury as well. So that's a little concerning, obviously. And the last one is Karan Abinaji, who is the offensive tackle out of Yale. Yeah. Now, we'll see what the severity of it is, Joe, but he did have a, a quad injury that needed surgery, and he, he missed all but four games of his senior year. And he wasn't able to participate in, in the all-star circuit, obviously. So he's still recovering. And quad injuries, scary, right? Like, that's a pretty scary thing for me, especially for a guy that is over 320 pounds. Can he come back? What does he look like? We don't really know the answer to Karan Abengaji right now, but he's certainly one of the more talented offensive linemen in the 2024 class. And I'm hoping that he passes the medicals down in Indianapolis. Yeah, Abengaji is one who has not really been available and he's probably not going to test. So to know that there is no concern there, I think is, is really great for him. Um, mm -hmm. I also, Michael Penix, Leitu Latu, they have, Layatu Latu is a good well, one too. I forgot about him. Yeah. A lot of yep. older injuries that I feel like we don't have a ton of context on the severity and how much it's going to hold them, the both of them back. Those are two guys I think specifically are possibly could be, like late first rounders if everything goes according to Penn. Latu more than Penix. But if things yeah. don't go well, it could completely tank their draft stock. So um it really can definitely yeah really my, really hope that that doesn't happen. My my last two mock drafts I have had Layatu Latu going number 21 overall to the Miami Dolphins in back to back mocks. I really think I love the fit. I think he's a really nuanced football player. I have questioned as far as like the overall athleticism, but overall the biggest thing that's hanging over Leo Tulatu's head because he is a ready-made NFL pass rusher is he had to medically retire while he was at Washington originally, right? Because of the neck injury. So is he able to just pass those medicals and have no long-term concerns? We will see short, well, hopefully shortly, but we'll definitely see down the stretch of the draft process, if nothing else. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, we're going to get to some of these questions now. First question from Brian Maffey. Uh, day three safety Sleepers. First of all, safety class Garbo, terrible. Not a good, not a good class at all. Um, yep. what about Malik Mustafa, the Wake Forest safety that we, you and I were talking about last yeah. night? Like that's the first one that comes to mind where he's not very big, he might not test super well. Um, but he hits people really hard. So like he could be a guy who sticks on a roster very for a very long time. It sounds like such a neat the 
Neanderthal. I can't, I can't, Neanderthal. I can't say the word Nathaniel. Oh my God. What the heck is happening? I can't say the word. Uh, Neanderthal thing to say is that me hit hard, right? But like he, he does hit hard. And I was actually watching him a ton last night because we had the interview with Kalen Carson, obviously last night, that'll be out on the channel pretty soon. But he was speaking heavy volumes about um, Malik. I guess is how you actually pronounce it. Not Malik. And just kind of the, the, tangibles that he intangibles that he brings to the game incredibly hard-working kid incredibly physical brings pretty good explosiveness to the table and i must say man he's a pretty good i mean well he's a really good downhill thumper i mean he, he despite being a smaller guy he really does play very well in in the box and make a ton of plays i would say this too joe is we don't know exactly where some of these guys are going to go It'll be dependent upon what, how they test. But if Jaden Hicks out of Washington State makes it to the fourth round somehow, which yeah, that one pops in my head, dude. He uh, man, I like Jaden Hicks a lot, man. He's uh, inconsistent with his processing, but six foot two plus, two hundred ten plus pounds, really physical, really good downhill range. I think there's a little bit of limitations from you know from range from depth, but that kid yeah. is a modern day strong safety that I think could bring a lot of really nice things to the table. So he would be one guy that I would. Just quickly shout out. I'm looking down my list as far as like guys that I may be able to, I would pound the table for on day three because I think that's kind of where this question's coming from a little bit more. You know, one that's like a worthy of a maybe a sixth or seventh round conversation that I don't know if you've even seen, Joe, but I do like Patrick McMorris that was originally at San Diego State and did a Cal this past year. Three years ago, or actually, well, two years ago, I guess technically, 2021, Patrick McMorris was. Excellent for San Diego State. Excellent. 2022 season, missed way too many tackles, was very inconsistent. 2023, I felt like we split the difference a little bit. He went from under he went from maddeningly inconsistent in 2023. I'm sorry, he went from very good in 2021 to maddeningly inconsistent in 2022. And I thought he was good in 2023. Now, he may never be a starting caliber safety, but if, if you get Patrick McMorris out of Cal in the sixth to seventh round. I think he could stick, man, because he's a hitter. He has enough instincts. I just think he's got a, a little bit of a make it feel to his game, potentially. Mm. A lot mm -hmm. of very deep pull on that last one there. Yeah, I, I really, <laughs> I'm going to be very, very honest here. I have yes. spent probably the least amount of time. There's two position groups I've like just deliberately said, I really don't care, safety and running back, because I'm just going to get to them later right, on. Because good. again, there's nothing... Right. There's nothing sexy about either of those groups this year. They're they're fine. You know, they're fine. There's some decent players. There's so much more better talent across the board uh, in some of these other position groups. Um, Andre Tonsil, yes. Tonsil, uh, who are three players who will rise in the NFL draft that no one is talking about? Let's just do one who we think is going to okay. be a riser. Man, that's a, that's a that's a great question, Andre, because it's so it's so open ended. I would rather him almost ask me. Who is one player from a specific position that could be a big riser in the class? I, I've mentioned one a ton, so I'll stick with it, I guess. Theo Johnson out of Penn State, I think from the media side, is going to be a big yeah. riser because tight end, tight end three is wide open, man. It really is. Like you have Brock Bowers as the quintessential tight end one in this class. Then you have Jatavion Sanders out of Texas, who's probably tight end two and probably a second round player. But then who's three? You know, is is it Kate Stover? Is it you know, there's a bunch of guys that are kind of in that like weird grouping there, but there's not a clear answer. And I think that Theo Johnson, when he goes to the combine and runs high four four, four five flat, somewhere in that ballpark at six six, two hundred and fifty pounds, I think he could end up being a top sixty-four pick 
when all is said and done because people are going to mm. bet on that athleticism and that upside. So I'll go with Theo Johnson as my riser out of nowhere following the combine. I wouldn't say that this is out of nowhere, but I'm going to throw in there. I think that Tyler Guyton, the tackle from Oklahoma. Oh, that's who, not out of nowhere. I know, wait, wait, that's what I'm saying. That's not out of nowhere, but like could has been rising and could find himself like locked sure. in in the, in the end of the first round because like his, his film probably isn't as comparable to some of the other guys that are in that conversation of late first round. Yep. But what mm-hmm. is going to help his case is if he shows up and he tests out of the, you know, as one of the best tackles, which I think he's going to do. I really think that he is going to physically test uh, as as one of the best tackles. Can, can I throw out one extra one? It was a guy yeah. that I actually talked about on a radio spot recently because this similar question was actually asked. Austin Booker, edge out of Kansas, I think is a player at six foot four and a half, 250 pounds, 34 inch arms. That kid, I'm told, is going to be a historical tester. Like he's going to do some silly things at his size. So just keep an eye on Austin Booker, who has already started his rise. You know, he came into the senior bowl as a kind of a toolsy, who's that guy type of player out of Kansas, but then he had a pretty good week and showed a lot of traits. I think when he has a great, I, I was told by a scout, Joe, that they don't think that Austin Booker is going to get out of the top two rounds. Like, so there, there's some, there's wow. some heat behind Austin Booker out of Kansas. So I think he continues his rise after his performance in Indianapolis. Next question from Brett, who are the top press man corners in the 2024 class? The two that come to mind, like immediately without like thinking further, Sure. Nate Wiggins because of his length. And then I think that yep. just like Kool-Aid McKinstry just has such tremendous um, yeah. technique and and just understanding of, of how to play the position so well. That, so the two of them are, are very, you know, that come to mind immediately. Yeah. Kool-Aid's number one for me. He is, it, it's an easy evaluation as far as press man goes. Cause he is a, I mean, he's a kid that has the athletic traits that you look for, right? He's got a good size profile. He's a good athlete overall, pretty good short area. Long speed's good. It's, it's requisite, right? But then his technique is very good and it shouldn't be any surprise. You know, Nick Saban has been notorious yeah. to, for being one of the best cornerback developers in all of college football, right? Over his time, even as a head coach or DC or anything in between. So, yeah, Kool-Aid McKinstry would be number one. I think there's a bunch of other guys that have flashes of being really good. Like I think Kalen Carson out of Wake Forest has flashes of being good. It just he wasn't asked to do it a ton at Wake Forest, but he has the requisite athleticism and physicality to be good at it. You mentioned Nate Wiggins. Tyrion Arnold is a little bit of a mix and match guy, but I think that he has upside as a press man corner as well. But I think Kool-Aid is the easiest answer there for me. Uh, I think you also mentioned Terry and Arnold um, yes. as somebody who who fits into that into that equation. I mean, there's a it's crazy this year. There's just a lot of really good corners, and I think a lot of very rarely I think we have so many guys consistently good enough to be brought up as man corners because like a lot of times as we start to move past five in the top rankings, like you start to yep. sprinkle in these. Um, these zone specific guys like TJ Tampa yeah. probably would be higher in a different class if it if it wasn't for how much you think, top you think, depth. Like like I, I wouldn't say he's like a full press man corner TJ Tampa because he's more of a zone based well, guy. But like, no, like well, I could see. I, I, I think he's more of a question. zone guy. Yeah, go ahead. So go I, I was going to ask you a question though. Is that yes on a, in a press man system he's definitely not that guy. But I could see TJ Tampa um, being a press 
uh, press bail guy, you know, as far as like bailing into yeah. zones and doing that type of stuff. Like he can still be disruptive at the line of scrimmage because he does have a lot of so- uh, he does have a lot of length that he brings to the table. You know. Yeah, I brought him up more so saying that he feels yeah. very zone heavy, and in a normal year he might get drafted higher. Um, right. But because we've got all these guys that float ahead of him that are going to be just really good uh, press man guys. Uh, Matt Robinson asks if you were forced to start a day three offensive tackle day one. <sighs> Who are you betting on? Who is a good? I, one I didn't. Either. I didn't see this question, man. I am not prepared at all. Let me pull up my offensive tackle list, and then we yeah, can I'm, we can have that conversation, man. That's a great question, dude. If I oh well, okay, I got one immediately off the top of my head without even looking at my list, Joe. I'm not like super high on this player because I do think he's just like a very limited player, and and he's kind of a power based system type of dude. But Javon Foster from Missouri for me is like one guy where. If he has to start in the relative near future, I don't think he's going to kill you, right? Like, even if it's left tackle or right tackles, he has experience mostly at left tackle at Missouri. He's just a like a physically solid dude, right? So Javon Foster would be one where I'm just like, he could do it if you need him to do it. I don't necessarily I think, think of want him to do it, but yeah. I think of Matt Goncalves from Pitt is like one that like one. pops in my head. Like where he, yeah, he's got good film, he's steady. Um, yep. his ceiling. Is not very high. He's probably at his ceiling because he's an older player too. Um, but like, I wouldn't be shocked if you're like, "Crap, our right tackles down, Matt. You're gonna start. You know, right. you're gonna start week one, uh, and he yeah. goes somewhere in the fourth round." I think that that like, like he's one of those guys that just like really, really stands out to me. Yep. So Matt Goncalves, I said Javon Foster. I'm trying to see if there's anybody else that I would have in that bucket. I think Javon Foster is like a guy that's just. He is what he is, to your point. Like, I don't think he's yeah. going to get a ton better, but he can definitely do it. I mean, according to PFF and stuff, you know, Roger Rosengarten's a day three player, so that would be my actual pick is Roger Rosengarten. <laughs> all right, well, he's not going to be <laughs> I know, when it's man, all said and done. Uh, talk about a guy who might test test well and really help himself uh, is, is Roger Rosengarten. He, yeah, I, I think he's going to test just good everywhere, right? Like, I think we're going to... Yeah. We, we underestimate those offensive tackles. He's kind of in the similar bucket of... Joe Alt, where it's like he makes everything look kind of really easy. So people think that he's not incredibly explosive and stuff. And I'm just like, guys, I just think you're underestimating just how controlled and smooth the player is sometimes. Like the kid could play without well, question. smoothness and control is always undervalued. It's completely yes. overlooked. And we, you know, Amarius Mims is the highest ceiling tackle of the group. But yep. like his, what he puts on tape is obviously going to get people more riled up than what Joe Alt puts on tape, which is just yep. good rep. Good rep, good rep. Instead of Amarius Mims, who is, I'm gonna kill this guy in front of me, and you guys are gonna enjoy it. That's the you know, you know, you know the so, difference. You know what's so funny about Joe Alt, Joe, is that I feel like you can remember his bad reps so much because there's very few of them. So it's like, have you ever seen um have you ever seen the movie Miracle about yeah. the 1980 Olympic hockey team? You remember when they were talking about the Triniac, the, the goalie or whatever? They're like, if you get a goal past that guy keep the puck because it doesn't happen very often. That's how I feel about Joel. It's like, oh, wow, Joel gave up a pressure. Doesn't happen very often, dude. Like, you need to remember that rep. And we certainly do remember those re- couple reps Joel gives up. Just a couple. And I, I think that that's why I've seen some media folks like hyper fixate on some of those reps and try to use that as a knock on him. It's like, it, it feels like it stands out to you. But again, the, yeah. those are such rarities where he... Uh, he doesn't have the, the the best of reps, and and like that was why before I came into his film, I even said this yep. to you, and you gave me shit for it. Why I coming into watching his film, I was like, well, it felt like he didn't have that great of a, like as good of a year this year, just from watching the games and like remembering sure. to like a couple important games where 
Joel got beat and it was in an important spot or he didn't look well, as clean. Well, well, you tried bringing up a rep against who was it? Duke. I can't remember where literally his guard tripped him and you're like, Oh man, he gave well, it up. We watched like, the broad. We watched the broadcast and we don't even know that stuff. That's the thing. Gotcha, you don't man. even notice gotcha. it until you sit there and, and watch, uh, watch the L 22. So we don't have any more Twitter questions today, but we've got a couple in uh, a couple comments and questions in the chat. Our good okay. friend, Jamie Williams, uh, I think the Bills might be leaning wide receiver, but what does the cornerback safety market look like for this draft? That's another position of need. I mean, there's we've discussed here, there are a lot of really talented corners for them to get on day two. Uh, yep. Limited options for them at safety. I will say, if we're talking specifically first round, if they do go safety, maybe they they miss out on some of the receivers that they wanted. I would say Cooper DeGene, who could play multiple roles, or Cam Kitchens is worth... I think bringing up yeah. is an option for them. Cam Kit, if you're looking at first round, Jamie, the only guy that I would even consider in the first round out of the, a true safety is Cam Kitchens, right? Because I, I still do consider Cooper DeGene a corner that can play safety. Like there's a little bit of a difference there. Cam Kitchens is the only one that I think could be worthy of a first round pick with the range and the ball skills and the center field potential that he has playing the safety position. Other than that, if you get on the day two and maybe you get a Tyler Newbin out of Minnesota, like that type of dude. Yeah, it's I, fine. I think there's some, there's fine. Yeah, it's fine. The, the trouble is, is that those guys run out very quickly in this draft though. So if you don't get Cam Kitchens or Tyler Newbin or even Jaden Hicks out of Washington State's a kid, Javon like, Bullard, not a true center fielder, Javon Bullard, who's a nickel safety Plot hybrid safety. type of player. Yeah. You're in a, you're in a tough spot there, right? Like you're in a little bit of a tough spot, but cornerback, I mean, you can get a guy almost every round. I mean, it's that deep of a class this year. Yeah, there are going to be so many options for them to get to. Joe Garish uh, throws in there. I'd love to see Isaiah Fonze make it somewhere. For those wondering who the heck is that, former Montana <laughs> State running back, um, ended up at – did he end up at San Jose State or did he not end up playing there? But he finished his career at Cal, had played yep. football for a million years, was really fun to watch. I think he actually – we had him on, on this channel. You interviewed him. Hey, yeah, man, I interviewed um, Isaiah. Yep, I did. If there's like a Jaleel McLaughlin type guy that just finds his way onto a roster and has like a random good game and everyone's like, wow, that was like, where'd this guy come from? I think it's Isaiah Fonze. I don't think he's going to get drafted though. I just, I just don't. There is a, such a, there is, even though that like not a super exciting athlete for the running Mm -hmm. back position, but there is just so much of an uphill battle for, a running back that has as many yep. reps and carries as he does. And I believe he's had a couple of injuries in his yes. career too. That does not he, he, he missed time at Montana State. I was just looking up his Cal numbers this year. He averaged 5.2 a carry at seven touchdowns and limited opportunities behind Jade Knott. So it's not like he wasn't productive at all. So hey man, yeah. he'll be a he'll be a kid that's in a camp. There's no doubt. I think one thing that you hit on, Joe, is that there's nothing overly exciting about him. He's just kind of solid everywhere. You know, Jalil McLaughlin had some Jalil McLaughlin had some juice. Like there was yeah. like a, things to get excited about a little bit with him. Isaiah is going to be five eight. He's going to be two hundred five. He's kind of like James Robinson in a way. Yeah, I can see James. James was a little bit more powerful than Isaiah. Yeah. Say, though, but yes, I I think that he'll be in a camp. I don't know if he has enough to stick necessarily, but certainly a very a very productive player during his Montana state career. And then he was productive in his limited role at Cal as well. So he'll be in a camp. We'll see if he can stick. Uh, migrating coconuts. That's a wonderful name. Uh, Ryan Flournoy. <laughs> we got a lot of the, the FCS fans on the channel have kind of snuck yeah, their way man. in on today's stream. 
Ryan Fornoy is going to show up big at the Combine. The SEMO, Southeastern Missouri wide receiver, Ryan Fornoy. Yep. Uh, I, I mean, I got to be blatantly honest here. I, I don't really have much context on his testing numbers. Um, he, do you have anything on him? Was 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 he was he at the Senior Bowl? Or was it? He, he was. He the, I think he was at the Senior he, Bowl. Yeah. He was one of the so, few FCS guys that made the Senior Bowl, and I think he was fine. He had a couple nice reps. Nothing yeah. about what you would expect from a 2024 FCS player, because most of those guys had already transferred up that were good enough to to be in that conversation. So apparently, he's going to test pretty well. I was actually looking at the uh, some Blesto measurements and some estimates on. Actually, not even estimated. He literally. So I don't know what he measured at the Senior Bowl. But this past spring, he was six foot one and three eighths, 197 pounds. So six one and a half, pretty solid size. He ran four four five for scouts before the season. So sounds like he's going to test pretty well, man. At least he's going to have good height and he's going to be able to run pretty pretty uh, explosively. So he was mm-hmm. at the Senior Bowl. So obviously there's some interest there. So we will we'll see. Now, I have I have I mean I have full transparency. I have not watched Ryan Flournoy's twenty. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of receivers in this class. Yeah. That day three guy though could go 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 somewhere on day three because there's uh there's opportunities if he tests as well as you just mentioned there as we're expecting. I think it's going to wrap us up on because uh, we are out of questions. We're going to try for next Friday. We're going to see how that turns out. Uh, at Joe Dealy, but actually now that we got we got to figure out a different time. I have <laughs> Did a radio. You get your name? Did you no, no, no. no. I have a I have a radio <laughs> spot booked at 10 on Friday. So okay. we, we may need to figure okay. out a different time. But at Joe gotcha. DeLeon, at Rise and Draft, hit the subscribe button. If you're tuning in on the audio version, please give us a five-star review and let us know what you think of the show. We'll be back with more. Enjoy the rest of your week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.